We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Home Movies on May 16th, 1980, somewhere. It was written by Brian De Palma, Kim Ambler, Dana Edelman, Robert Harders, Stephen LeMay, Charlie Loventhal, Gloria Norris, directed by Brian De Palma, and released by United Artists. From Wikipedia, De Palma had been teaching film at his alma mater, Sarah Lawrence College, and conceived this project as a hands-on training exercise for his students. They were given the primary responsibilities of raising money, arranging the shooting schedule, and editing the film, all under De Palma's supervision. Many of these students, such as Gilbert Adler, Sam Irvin, and Charlie Leventhal, went on to long careers of their own, producing and directing films. The budget was $400,000, and it made $39,000 in box office receipts, which is the only way we know that this movie was ever released anywhere. I regret putting it on the list, and I'm sorry for putting either of you through it. It's all right. It, it was just, I don't know what to make of this. Well, I'm actually surprised if you're telling me that the only thing that the students did was raise the money, do a shooting schedule, and edit, or are you saying they did more? Because the fact that there was Well, I like, did read seven writers. I know. Names. There's seven writers. That should tell you everything you need to know about this movie. Yeah, what is this, a, a scary movie? Well, and this, so the, I think it was a story by Brian De Palma, and then they had seven writers. Yeah, I mean, it's just ugh. yeah, because those the scary movie sequels and all the other like blank movie spinoffs were always like from six of the eighteen writers of Scary Movie Seven. Yeah, it's like why? You know what's uh, what else is crazy is I think Phil Lord and Chris Miller are in a lot of those groups. <laughs> Um, but the first couple scary movies were actually pretty funny. I got really excited when you're like, oh, next week we're going to do a Brian De Palma film. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. I love Brian De Palma films. They'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> we have another so one this year. <laughs> Dress to Kill is in 1980 I also. I love Dress to Kill. We start with uh, this rough animation introducing the cast in caricature. Um, a doctor's fingers grow faces and stretch to grab around a nurse character. We get a title that says, The Maestro Presents the Maestro, starring in Explorations in Star Therapy, written, directed, and produced by the Maestro. Everything you see happened as it happened. None and of this, those who know. None know. of this makes yes. any sense. Uh, we are at Now College, a college called Now, um, and we get a title that says, Number one, Introduction to the Maestro. Kirk Douglas inexplicably enters a class. (laughs) Why are you in this? Presumably a friend of uh, Brian's. And he wanted to talk some Hollywood royalty into impressing his students. He enters a class and he lectures the kids for a moment on filmmaking. He punches a student who isn't paying attention in the character of a boxer. Like he's like, oh, let me at him. I could get him. And then he punches the kid in the face. Congratulates him for taking the punch so well. Um, oddly enough Kirk Douglas wasn't even supposed to be here <laughs> yeah he, he just, just wandered he into just the class wandered in and started punching students <laughs> like, really great that we're rolling <laughs> um, he shows the class a slideshow of a week in Grand Central Station with a picture taken each day uh, the thing that we're supposed to notice in this string of pictures is that uh, one student a former student of 
of the maestros is sitting on a suitcase in the middle of Grand Central Station for the entire week of these pictures being taken. This doesn't make any sense. And then the kid's monologue takes over from the maestro. And we're, I guess, jumping back in time. He was having weird, like, Gorp-esque sex with a girl on the couch where Mm -hmm. everyone's fully dressed. And they're just kind of flopping around like two fish that got out of a tank. And the mom walks in and catches them. And then runs away crying. And then the dad walks in and catches them and just kind of walks away from them. Yeah. And says, tell your mom I went to the office. We cut to his brother James teaching Spartanetic philosophy, which is based on the Spartans, which maybe that's why we have Kirk Douglas in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah, because he, he, he's mentioning mentioning all like all these famous people, and then he mentions... And then there's Spartacus himself. This yeah. is like, okay. Yeah. Um, he excuses the class when he sees his mom crying and packing a suitcase in a car. He goes back to his home, and she tells James that she caught... Her husband cheating at work. Dennis is watching this whole conversation from a tree, which I thought he was like climbing, climbed up a tree, watching through a window. But then they sit down in the room and he just like walks around the tree like he was just hiding behind it. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was actually climbed up the tree or if he was just standing behind a tree. It's shot weirdly. A lot of time up in trees in this movie. Yes. (laughs) So the brother confronts their dad about cheating on their mom and the dad just beats him up. And I think it's played for like comedy but it's not funny it's just weird like every time he tries to yell at his dad his dad punches him and walks away from him dennis and his father try to break down uh, the bedroom door to prevent the mother from killing herself with a bunch of pills but she's just setting it up as a fake yeah she's just trying to make them feel guilty uh dennis talks to his mother about attending a family dinner that night uh, that is apparently very important to him for some reason um, at the door, uh, James warns his girlfriend not to eat anything when they go in for the I, dinner party. I don't understand this entire plot of not eating things because it's poison. Like, it just, I don't I think I he, don't he just doesn't want movie. her to get fat, and so he tells her not to eat any food because it's poisoned. Yeah, like, it's, he. well, he's got this whole, like, diet plan. Like, he he's trying to be revolutionary with his way of thinking and his treatment of women. Uh, but to him, all regular food is poison. Yeah. And so he's telling her not to eat anything there. And he refuses to eat anything himself. But they go inside and James's date has to leave the room because James has like, what is it called? Uh, TMJ? Like his jaw is like... Well, that's because the dad punched him in the face. Right, but it happens yeah. again later just from him like yelling and his jaw like locks up. Yeah, like it's, it's this recurring gag that keeps coming back in the movie because the dad beat him up in that first scene yeah. that he's constantly having issues with his jaw yeah but so his jaw is dislocated here so he tells the girlfriend get out of this room go in the other room and i'm gonna fix it i don't want you to see this and she finds the mom in the kitchen who's just crying and then she goes and she finds dennis she's like oh i'm so excited to meet you i want to learn more about my boyfriend and i can learn that through you and they have a little bit of a conversation and then suddenly we're back at the table everyone's eating well everyone except for christina and james who are avoiding the poison at the table James stands up and announces his engagement to Christina to everyone, although he uses some weird series of words to make it sound... A social contract? Yeah. Mom? Dad? I'd love to say something. Christina and I have reached an agreement to sign a socio-romantic contract. Um, But nobody understands what he's saying until he, he paraphrases 
by explaining that they're going to be married. Yeah, I just want to point out to all the listeners that we're making it sound almost like a cohesive storyline here. Yeah. But this is a bunch of disjointed scenes with weird dialogue that don't really necessarily make sense till you add a bunch of weird scenes later that kind of explain what was happening earlier. Yeah, that, that is a good point to make because I feel like what I've written here, my outline is much better than the script. Oh, yeah, by far. Like what you're saying is like, oh. Now you understand the story. That's what was going on. <clears throat> I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, the, the performances are very bad, which is weird because the directing was just Brian De Palma. So unless he was just like, do whatever you want on set the whole time because he didn't care because it wasn't really his movie or he wanted it to look more like a student film then he was like i don't know i don't know what the reasoning is here but christina decides she's going to try some of the food but she chokes on it and then james goes to he prevents her choking by putting his mouth on her mouth and just inhaling the yeah, food out of her sucks throat the food out yeah. i guess and then dennis is upset because he's like oh why did, why couldn't i have been the hero it's like, why do you care? This is your brother's fiance. This is weird. Although it doesn't sound like she had any idea that he was going to announce their engagement. I, I'm not even clear that he had proposed to her before that point. It just seems like he was just trying to announce something and that she would have to go along with it because he said it. Well, I think that they've only been together for two months. Yeah. James forces his girlfriend to tell the story of when they met. Not to the family, but just back up in their room later when he's yelling at her for trying any of the food at all. He says, tell me the story of when we met. Well, it's really awkward because he's trying to like force the story out of her and sh- and he keeps going back and being like, a- making her add in extra details that she didn't express. Uh, that it j- I- I'm not clear on if those details were things like he wants to have happened or things that did happen that she's leaving out. I think there are things that did happen that she's leaving out that he wants her to basically confess the true story of their having met so that he can purge her of it because it almost felt more like he fabricated this story of what he wanted his save saving of her to be and then he's because of how her quickly to, she agrees right and he's forcing her to like repeat it to reinforce it in her story you know possibly it's not, nothing is very clear but she so. did uh, she does admit and it's later confirmed of performing a sexual act with a rabbit yes um but here she says do you remember where you were the first time I saw you? On the bridge. Mm. And what were you doing? Oh, I was looking at the boats. What? Looking at the boats. I was looking at all of them. What were you doing? Were you going to jump? Yes. Mm. And how many men had you had that day? Three. How many? Four. And? It just kept coming over. And? I went professional. And? No, Gina, I can't say that. Yes, yes, you can say it. Tell me about Bunny. James, not Bunny. Yes, Bunny. Tell me about it. 
that's the part that makes me feel like he was fabricating this stuff. Like the fact that she, like he was putting it on her that her standing on the bridge was her attempting suicide. Where right. she was just like, I was just looking at the boats. No, you were attempting suicide. Like, oh, I was attempting suicide. You know, like. And then he says, "What did you do earlier that day?" And she said, "I had sex." And he said, "Who did you have sex with?" Yeah. And she's like, he's like a man. And he's like, just one man. And she's like, three men, three men, four men. Like she keeps like adding to the story. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's her own. It feels yeah, like he's, I don't know if it's supposed yeah. to be him pushing for truth or her admitting to the full story because we never make that clear. <laughs> Although she did have sex with a rabbit, so that part is true. Dennis tries to talk to his mom about taking on a divorce attorney because uh, he knows that she could lose everything if she doesn't. Um, he decides that he's going to wear blackface and get photos of his dad uh cheating because he knows that if they have evidence then it's more of an open shut case is he and i at first i thought he was just using dark makeup to to blend in with like a knight yeah i think like, that's like, actually what it was for but then it's later confused for him being well, in, in blackface, blackface yeah. but no i think he is doing blackface though because he said he, he in another scene he said he was getting really into it and he had a box that said like afro wig or something like that and he's like i'm really getting that's into true. this he had the wig so too. i uh, yeah i don't know i don't know what's going on here but anyway he's in blackface and he's up on a tree getting photos of his dad uh fucking a nurse against the window of a building with the lights on like they're not in a bed like they're in a hospital where there's a bed in every room yeah and they're having sex against the wall where you can see them from the window but they're literally her back is like against the window, so now he can't even get pictures of it. Well, he gets other pictures of them like grappling together, and but it's not enough. I guess yeah, apparently. I don't know why what they get eventually isn't is enough because even that I would say is probably not enough if what if this isn't. But uh, while he's up in this tree, he also notices that there's uh, there's a girl in another window across the street, and so he decides he's going to start watching her because he can't get good pictures of his father. And we get a title on the screen, Diagnosis in the Field. And suddenly the maestro is there and he turns on a bunch of work lights um, to light up the kid in the tree. And he says, oh, look at that second girl in the window. And then they cut to this footage of this girl in her apartment. And he points out, that's just footage of a girl in an apartment. That's not a real person that you're looking at. And it's like, I don't know why we're suddenly getting meta with this and acknowledging that we're watching a movie happen. Um, well, it... Be- there are a couple of shots where you realize that this is a projection inside this window. Right. And, and he says that the police use it to catch peeping Toms or, yeah. but, or is he implying that he uses it to catch peeping Toms? Yeah. Cause he says, I've been watching you up here for a week now. Uh, and that's how long he's been trying to get this, these pictures of his dad. I, apparently. Well, yeah. I think he said he's been up there for three weeks. Three weeks. He comes every Thursday for three weeks. Yeah. Very weird. Very but eventually uh, the maestro pushes him out of the tree. But like, doesn't he offer to, but this is the moment where he offers to train him to be an actor. Yeah. Well, he, the whole time he's trying to get him to be like, he's like, you're just observing people. You need to be taking more of a part in your own life. Yeah. But he like gives him his card and he's like, you need to come see me. Yeah. Um, and, and he implies that he's going to inform the police if he doesn't. Right. Dennis and Christina talk in the kitchen at home about, um, Dennis is considering signing up for his brother's Spartanetics class. We cut to the class that's going on, and uh, James is like singing and leading the campers to like the end of a hike where Christina has set up a very lovely picnic with all organic foods because she thought that's what 
James wanted. And then he just shits all over everything and yells at her for bringing food and says that she's undone so much of their programming by bringing them something that they didn't have to catch and prepare themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like picking things up and shouting. Aluminum enclosed potato chips. Back to nature. Carrot bars, go! Throws them, like shakes the food out onto the floor. Um, or the, what do you call the floor outside? The ground. <laughs> the ground. <laughs> um. <laughs> We ran out of carpet, so we just painted the dirt. Does Pretty anybody clever. else smell toast? <laughs> we don't care how much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dennis tries to comfort her and decides he's going to take her out to lunch for some fast food because she needs it. And they flirt a little bit. She talks about how she's she's interested in younger men. And then he's like, oh, yeah? Really? And she's like, well, yeah. And he said, well, what about... Uh, what about James? You know, he's like five years older than you. She's like, I'm interested in older men too. I'm interested in lots of different kinds of men. <laughs> like <laughs> lending a little bit of credence to the three or four guys story. And uh, when she gets home, James refuses to apologize for having thrown her picnic all over the floor and then tells her that he can smell the food on her. Well, then we get this excessively long scene of yes. him sniffing all over the room until he comes back to to sniff her it's like a couple minutes of just sniffing and i just want to say i think you're doing a (laughs) do you smell something yeah i my comment on this is whatever yeah (laughs) like i i was like they have a scene together whatever then <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say half the things in this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I can't comment on what's happening. But uh, at the at the previous dinner, they decided they were going to have an engagement brunch. And he tells her that if she can't start resisting these urges that she's having, for example, the fast food urge, that he's going to have his mom cancel the engagement brunch. Because he wants to have complete control over her life and complete control over any weaknesses she may have for anything. Smoking, drinking, men. She immediately, after he tells her that uh, he's he's going to judge her and he's going to cancel this party if she doesn't comply, she gets a call from Bunny. And she resists Bunny in this call. She says that she's not interested and she's not going to partake. Oh, I didn't know who was on the phone. That yes. scene was weird. <laughs> it's a weird scene. But um, now we get a title that says Treatment. and uh, Well, my- so the Bunny scene, though she's she's talking to somebody from like her former life on the phone yes who's trying to tempt her back into her former life and then we follow once again an excessively long shot of the phone cord across the room to realize that the phone's not even plugged in and i'm like that phone cord you know just could have been much shorter to get to that but i did not realize that that was supposed to be the rabbit supposed to be the rabbit yes okay that makes Um, more sense (laughs) maestro shows up and he says he's going to talk Dennis into performing properly. He reminds him to not be an extra in his own life. And Dennis starts the star therapy, which involves recording everything he does, which is known now as having a smartphone and <laughs> recording yourself constantly. Now it's called TikTok. Now it's called TikTok. <laughs> um, but uh, he's just like literally sitting in bed with a bunch of lights pointed at him, talking into the camera about what happened to him in the last five minutes. Then we get title number four, reviewing the patient's progress. And uh, Kirk and Dennis are sitting watching his dailies, the Mm -hmm. dailies of his actual life. And uh, 
he falls asleep during it because it's so boring and uh the maestro is like criticizing him look at this you're you're falling asleep watching your own life happen in front of you that's how boring your life is you're falling asleep watching it he asks how the movie's gonna pay for itself like what have you spent so far like what is the budget on this thing like how's your life gonna pay for itself he he tells him for no reason that he has three days to get more interesting sweetheart lover boy baby you've got three days to come up with good rushes and his new plan is to observe christina to see if she can resist all of james's temptations and then we get this clip of like a tape of the plan and it says this tape will now self-destruct this tape will self-destruct now and it explodes it's like a mission impossible joke which is weird because brian de palma ended up directing the first mission impossible movie but i don't i don't know who what this tape is of and who's listening to it and why it explodes uh it's his um it's his students so james made the tape for his students because his students are like his minions in this plan okay to like watch her fail at any of these things these tests that he's putting her okay to. that's what i missed then because we're only seeing from behind over their shoulders yeah. and i didn't realize it was them but uh the first thing she's supposed to resist is junk food even though that's not first on the list yeah but the first thing we see her resisting is junk food they have a camera stuffed into a bag of popcorn and she's like making ice cream or something yeah for and... some reason she's suddenly working at a fast food restaurant yeah. just for a day I and guess. she's managing not to eat any of the customers ice cream before giving it to them so they call that a successful resisting of junk food I it guess. was french fries but yeah oh french fries i couldn't remember what it was i saw her holding a cup and she's like taking something off the top and yeah putting it back she's on. awkwardly placing the french fries one by one with her hands and then not eating them that's <laughs> good <gross>. job <laughs> dennis spies on her through the keyhole to her room and she's listening to a tape uh presumably another tape from james about resisting cheap sex and again the tape self-destructs which is a hilarious callback to earlier when a tape self-destructed right christina goes to a biker party and lures a guy upstairs to have sex with and then at the very last second says i'm very aroused i'm gonna go home now oh, I'm, I'm very aroused oh i'm aroused too can't you i don't know can't she i want you to take me oh, i want to take you i want to take you but no no could you get up a minute what you see this is really only a test i was just seeing if i could what? if i could resist you what baby hey what now. the hell are I you really doing have to go now. and he says why and he says i just wanted to see how aroused i could get and still turn around and leave and the biker's like uh yeah that's not gonna happen but dennis is up in a tree watching this happen because he's trying to see in blackface again right to see how much of james's program she can resist and so he goes in to save her james is going over his notes and he crosses off that she has passed all the tests smoking drinking drugs junk food and sex um the engagement party is officially on and james writes up letters um that are invites to like a campsite for some exercise that they're going to do but one of the invitations to the campsite blows up the stairwell into a bedroom and lands on christina's pillow right which james had said if she passes all of her tests there would be something for her at the end so i think she's assuming that this is for her yes a cop beats up dennis outside because he thought he was a black person 
and there shouldn't be black people in this neighborhood apparently but somehow he convinces him that he's a reporter yeah he says no 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 i'm undercover he convinces them that he's a reporter because when he tries to grab him he tries to yank him by the hair and he pulls the wig off Mm -hmm. and he's like oh my gosh you are in disguise we cut to all the campers out in the middle of the woods they're role-playing as couples so half of them are men and half of them are women and james is instructing them how to kiss each other just to be clear all of his students are men yes and he's instructed the men some of them to be women to be the women right and he's telling the men that you don't turn your head for the woman when you're moving in for a kiss that you just lean in and crush her nose if she doesn't turn her head to bow to your whim which is actually solid tip yeah this movie is really friendly to women (laughs) i mean obviously the 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 movie doesn't seem to be on james's side i think it's supposed to be that he's a an obnoxious character but still it's dumb Dennis now has to pretend with this cop that he's doing a report on exploitation against minorities um, so that the cop won't attack him. And now the cop is like suddenly on the case with him to get footage of his dad cheating. And so the two of them go up the stairs into the hospital and bust in on his dad having sex with the nurse who he claims is a minority because she's an Eskimo. And the cop's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Anyway, my name's Quinn, so make sure when you turn in this and he keeps calling him chief like yeah like the kid is somehow his boss all of a sudden but yeah so now they he has footage of his dad and the nurse in the room but again they weren't actually having sex they were just leaning against the table when they walked in and he said oh we were just getting started he admits right there on the footage that they weren't having sex so who knows what's going on christina finds the letter on her pillow inviting her to james's camp and thinks it's for her we cut back to the woods where james is telling them that he basically only needs a wife to procreate. He wishes he didn't have to, that he could just put a seed in the ground and grow children. See, I thought here we were going to like find out that he was actually like a homosexual and then some of this stuff was just, you know, he was just women hating because he was hating himself for liking men, but none of that. None of I, that. I, that might even be an implication of this scene, that he takes all these guys out of the woods and has to make out with each other because he's gay. <laughs> like, right, that would have made sense, but they certainly didn't make that clear if that was the case. Either way, when she's getting to the camp, it's right when he's teaching the men how to mount each other. And so she thinks that he's gay anyway, because she walks up right as he's standing up behind another guy in the middle of the woods, and she runs home crying. Bizarre scene where Dennis comes home with the footage of his dad having sex with the nurse, and his grandmother is sitting at a chair at the bottom of the stairs because she wants to film the fiancé walking down the stairs in the morning. Right. And she has staked her claim on this chair. And she's going to sleep in this chair all night to get footage of her coming down these stairs in the morning. And she says, oh, but I don't have any film. Do you have any film for me? And he says, yeah, there's a bunch of film in this bag from this bag of evidence film that I just got. Just grab anything you want. Yep. And I'm going to go upstairs. It's supposed to be like, oh, no, that's the evidence bag. And the guy's not even thinking about it. It just doesn't make any sense that this character wouldn't have thought of it. Well, plus, that's not how yeah. film works. Like, this right, isn't you can't a VCR. Just shoot yeah. it's again, not a on the same game. film yeah. role. Yeah. Exposed film is exposed film. It would just be double exposed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the footage. When you take it out of the camera, you put it away differently. Yeah. And later on, when we see the footage coming back, the scene of the father is later when it should have been earlier yeah it's at the end of the tape like he didn't he recorded it right at the end of the reel somehow yeah. and then put it all back but anyway so uh the grandma thinks that he's trying to cheat her out of this amazing placement to record the stairs all night 
but she's not giving it up so she stays there and uh dennis goes up to the room christina comes in crying and uh she goes up to the bedroom where she found the invitation to the woods and starts talking to bunny bunny is like a, a split personality of her she's puppeting this stuffed bunny rabbit and she's talking to it and it's talking to her and telling her that they're gonna have sex now and it tries to take off her clothes and then dennis comes in to console her and the two of them start kissing the next morning people are arriving for the engagement party and christina takes all of her all of their mother's sleeping pills that were on the counter like a whole fistful of sleeping pills and sort of wanders out of the house with the rabbit on her hand and as she's coming down the stairs grandma gets some footage of her arguing with the mother being very crude and throwing glossies of her like nude photographs into the crowd of people as they're coming into the house and the rabbit is talking a lot as well yes the rabbit is doing the talking for her right now and james walks in right as this is happening and uh his mother is like what what is going on who is why is this woman being this way who is this woman and he says that she's a whore Mm -hmm. and then they decide that they're going to chase her but dennis notices pills on the floor in the bedroom so he decides to chase her out of the house because he knows it's a medical emergency and then james says oh and a car thief apparently because she's getting into his car and driving it away right but somehow dennis gets all the way downstairs and into the car faster than james can get there and so the two of them drive off and then james and his mother drive off in a second car to follow them the rabbit is shouting things in the car until christina throws it off on the side of the road and it hits a tree uh i guess the only thing because again this movie was so manic the only part that kind of made me chuckle a little bit was when the mom and James are in the car and the mom goes, James, that rabbit implied that they had sexual relations. I did not like his use of language. I'm not unfamiliar with that rodent. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, was, I needed something. I needed something to cling to. And I, that was I also got, I, I was a little amused that they had the rabbit make a sound when it hit the tree, <laughs> when the car was clearly gone. Like, yeah. this rabbit is making these sounds on its own. It's not her doing it. So they're driving, and Dennis basically drives her all the way to his dad's office, despite not trusting his dad not to rape her unconscious body. Right. Is he the only doctor in this hospital? <laughs> like, why wouldn't he take her to literally any other hospital in the world? Well, this doctor is clearly not an ER doctor. This girl just took a bunch of sleepy pills take her to the er (laughs) yeah well it was an emergency room but he he brings her up the stairs and he brings her into his dad's office and then his dad's like i'm gonna have to pump her stomach you gotta get out of here and he like shoves him out the door and he's like well i'm gonna watch from the tree outside because i want to make sure you don't rape this woman yeah even though he's already been present for a stomach pumping of his mother earlier in the film and we haven't seen him like rape anyone that wasn't consenting to it. I mean, he just because he cheats with a, a nurse at his work doesn't mean he's literally raping unconscious patients. But for some reason, he drags her completely out of the hospital and out the front door right. on the way to treating her. Dennis is watching from the tree, but he falls out of it and hurts himself. And then um, the dad is walking with Christina through the door 
And when James sees them together and says, oh, it wasn't Dennis that she was cheating with. It was dad. I'm going to kill dad. Like, does he get the gun off the police officer? I don't know where the gun came from, but he, he does. Yeah, there is a cop there. So yeah. that would make sense. There's a cop arguing with them because they parked in the wrong spot or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe he gets the cop's gun and he tries to level it at his dad. And then Christina runs away and he starts to point the gun at her as she's running away. But she gets hit by an ambulance. And he he pulls the trigger, but it doesn't fire. Right. That's right. It jams. Um, yeah. And then we cut to the the mother is with Dennis in the hospital. And she says, oh, you're going to love college. And it's like, am I going to college? I'm, I'm in the hospital with a concussion and mm-hmm. I fell out of a tree. The family leaves him in Grand Central Station. And he sits down on a suitcase where apparently he sat for six days or seven days or however long they took those pictures for. And we cut back to uh, the maestro lamenting Dennis's plunge to extradom in his own life. Back at their house, the family is watching the footage that Grandma took of the staircase weirdness. Not clear why they would watch this footage at all, yeah. considering how poorly the morning went. But all of them are watching it together, and it ends with the sex in the doctor's office. Well, see, I thought all this was building up to Chris- them memorializing Christina. Like, yeah. I thought they were watching the footage because this was the last footage they have of Christina before she like they were having like a little home funeral for her yeah but uh but then a wild christina it turns out christina (laughs) yeah a wild christina (laughs) she uh she's at grand central station and she notices dennis and and he's like oh i thought you were dead i mean none of us checked on you after the accident no one even walked over she's like well no i got hit by an ambulance and we were 20 feet from a hospital so i'm fine and he's like oh we just assumed you died and went home like what as your brother's fiance, nobody like checked the body to see if it was dead. I, I had to re I think I rewound this whole like 10 minutes of events like three times. Yeah. Because as I'm missing something like they're in the hospital, he falls out of a tree. There's a gun. I was like, what is I, I, I must be looking away and I don't realize that I've looked away from the film. But no, right. it's all just a big mess. Well, the weirder thing to me is that the obvious ending here is like, oh, we're just going to go off on our own separate way and like make a new life for ourselves. But instead, she says, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to college. And she's like, I'm going to go to college, too. Like, that's how it works. <laughs> you just be like, I got a plus one <laughs> on my college tuition. So this is great. I'll just bring you to all my classes. Um, and it's then, called auditing. Right. <laughs> But uh, then a little girl finds the rabbit in the woods and presumably takes it home to fuck, I guess. Well, because the rabbit is actually yeah. a sentient being. It's Apparently. basically the end of uh, don't go to the house, <laughs> don't go in the house, <laughs> where we're seeing the next person who's taken over by this evil spirit. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the movie, and it's terrible. I'm sorry that we've spent so much time on this movie. Yeah. yeah. It's directed by Brian De Palma, which there's really no excuse. Question? <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe directed by Brian De Palma? I mean, th- the thing is that it was directed by Brian De Palma, but it was edited by the class. So maybe they were like, oh, circle takes must mean bad. Let's not use any of these. <laughs> but the lighting is terrible the whole time. Like, I feel like there were students involved in every aspect of this film. I agree. Must have been. Um, with the exception of the acting, which is all, like, name actors for some reason. But sort Brian De Palma. Of. Yeah. Well... Uh, actors that I certainly know from yes. other things. Yeah. Um, but Brian De Palma obviously did Dress to Kill later this year. He'll do Scarface and he did Phantom of the Paradise, Untouchables, Carrie, Mission Impossible, Get to Know Your Rabbit. A little uh, relevant to this film. And uh, Predator? <laughs> he has a movie coming out called Predator. No, I'm, I'm curious about Get to Know Your Rabbit now. That's the one about the magician with uh, with uh, one of the Smothers Brothers where he's 
I don't know. I've talked about it before on this podcast. I don't know anything about it. I don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) That's true. Nobody does yet. Um, But he has a movie coming out called Predator where I was like, is Brian De Palma doing a Predator sequel? But it's it's literally a movie about like Weinstein. Oh. (laughs) It's a it's I think it's a fictionalized account, but it's about a movie mogul who is like a sexual predator. This was written by a bunch of people, but only two of them have significant credits. Charlie Leventhal was uh, the director of a movie called The First Time in 83, My Demon Lover in 87, and then a movie called Mr. Right with Paul Reiser in 94 that I distinctly uh-huh. remember we had at our blockbuster. Yeah. I think I've I, seen that I, movie. I, I, I know that movie. But it's spelled W-R-I-T. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't it, didn't it have Ellen DeGeneres in it? I was going to say, that's a different movie, I think. Yeah. Oh. With Ellen DeGeneres. Am I thinking of a different movie? I but it's also Mr. called Mr. Right. Oh, okay. I, th- I, th- I thought that was Mr. Wrong. Oh, maybe it is. No, Mr. Wrong is with Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. No, that's... I th- well, I think that is also Mr. Wrong. Uh, no, Mr. <laughs> is there really two movies called Mr. Wrong? Well, Mr. Wrong is with Ellen DeGeneres, directed by Nick Castle, Ellen DeGeneres, and Bill Pullman. Nick Castle directed that? Yeah. What? <laughs> Nick Castle what a, does direct what an films. Interesting career that man has had. He's a <laughs> mass murderer, and then he did like the last Starfighter, last Starfighter, and then this crappy romantic comedy with Ellen DeGeneres. I gotta, I'm trying to figure out what the Sam Rockwell and a Kendrick movie was. It's either Mr. Right or Mr. Wrong. With the red nose. Mr. Right. Mr. Right. Okay, but how is that spelled? Uh, R I G H D. Okay. But Mr. Right with Paul Reiser is W-R-I-T-E. Right. Which I'm guessing he's a writer in that movie. A Paul writer. <laughs> Get it? Because it's not no. dumb. Nancy Allen. Okay, sorry. Wait. The other writer that has some credits, Gloria Norris. Uh, she did research on Raging Bull later this year. And she was an assistant to Woody Allen on Stardust Memories also this year. And Midsummer Night Sex Comedy and Zelig. Is she related? Gloria Norris? No. Related to who? Uh, never mind. I was looking at the wrong name. I was looking at Nancy Allen. Oh, yeah. No, Nancy was, Allen is... I was like, is she wearing anybody else? No. Uh, Nancy Allen. No. <laughs> Nancy Allen plays Christina, the girlfriend or yes. fiance here. And she was Ann Lewis in RoboCop. Yeah. She's great. Um, she's Liz Blake in Dress to Kill. Um, she's Chris Harginson in Carrie. And she's Sally in Blowout. So she has three, at least three uh, Brian De Palma credits, but probably more. And she's great. And she's in 1941. Yes. Um, Kirk Douglas was Dr. Tuttle, apparently, the yeah. maestro. Um, he was in Saturn 3. That's basically the only thing he's done <laughs> other than this. Um, no, he was Spartacus, 20,000 Leagues. We've covered it. Uh, Vincent well, well Kirk- I, I, know, I know that we've covered it, but I mean, yeah. I, I, assuming that you people, one, haven't listened to our other podcast where we covered the one other Kirk Douglas movie, but also you should know who Kirk yeah, Douglas Yeah, you should know is. in general. He just turned like 140. Yeah. <laughs> um, He'll probably be dead by the time this posts. So that won't make any sense to you guys. But uh, Vincent Gardenia was Dr. Bird. He played Mushnik in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. He was Frank Ochoa in Death Wish. He was Cher's dad in Moonstruck, Cosmo Costarini. Which earned him an Oscar nomination. Right. Why? I really didn't like that movie, man. It's terrible. And he's also Joe Pesci's dad in The Super. (laughs) Joe Pesci plays Louie and he plays Big Louie. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. (laughs) Um, Keith Gordon is Dennis Bird. He's a director for a lot of TV now. Dexter, Better Call Saul, Fargo, Homeland. Homeland. Yeah, uh, he directed The Singing Detective with Robert Downey Jr., which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I like that movie a lot. I did not see that on the list. Where is that? There it is. Oh, my goodness. I totally missed it. For me, he will always be Jason Mellon from Back to School, the son of Rodney Dangerfield. 
And uh, he's also Arnie Cunningham and Christine, Peter Miller and Dress to Kill, the son in Dress to Kill, and uh, Doug in Jaws 2. Garrett Graham was James Bird. He's the voice of Guardian on Gargoyles. Yeah, uh, I did not realize how many things I know this guy from. Garrett Graham? Yeah. Like, I just had the two. I had the Gargoyles one and that he's Frank Sherman, who is Jay's yeah. dad on the critic. <laughs> who? My wife, Elena. <laughs> uh, he's, he's great as Jay's dad. The Guardian uh, is, a, is a minor, well, not a minor character, but... He's only in like four episodes. Yeah. Um, he, he's an interesting character, though. He was in a three-parter, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then one other like side episode. Um, there's like, I was like just looking through these credits of things that he is in. I was like, Oh my goodness, this guy's in everything that I love. He's in a couple of bunch of episodes of Bruno, the kid, um, which is the, the, the Bruce movie Willis with uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. It's a Bruce Willis animated series. Wait, the, is the series based on the movie, the kid? No. Okay. No, the movie is about, um, Bruno, the kid is a child genius who joins a spy agency. Isn't there a movie called The Kid with Bruce Willis? Yes. That, where the, the kid's name is Bruno? I don't remember if his... Well, Bruno is, is what Bruce Willis goes by in his musical career. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, I, I think that's why Bruno the Kid was called that. Yeah. Um, but he's also on a really great Star Trek Voyager episode, which I really liked, where he plays a member of the Q Continuum, um, who's on trial on board Voyager uh, because he wishes to have assisted suicide. Okay. And the Q Continuum does not want that. And John Delancey uh, plays the famous Q. Q, yeah. Um, who is like... I didn't realize there were episodes that delved into like his race or his oh, origin. Yeah. And it's so cool because they actually go to the Q Continuum. That's awesome. And and it's just like this like desert, like old uh, Route 66 kind of like desert abandoned diner where people are just sitting around. Huh. And he's... And like... Because the whole, the whole description is like, this is... This is just how you are perceiving it. Yeah. And of uh, course, the way you would perceive it would be the exact opposite of what anyone would expect the Q continue to look right, like. Right, right. You'd expect like the Fortress of Solitude with crystals and shit everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and But no one talks to it. And Q describes it. No one ever talks because everything that they've ever needed to say has been said. Right. Everybody knows uh, everything already. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really great episode of Voyager. Uh, and uh, oh my, actually, I, I just got to look up one thing. Sorry. I'm wondering if Jonathan Frakes directed that episode because he stars in it. Jonathan Frakes. He likes Leica. No. I know him. <laughs> no, he, he did not direct that episode, but he does appear in it. Um, he likes our dog. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Yeah. Everybody likes our dog, though. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> to be clear, Jonathan Frakes is the nice guy. Our dog is a nice girl. Who is Judy in this movie? I have no idea. I looked up, I was looking through the credits and I was like, I don't know who she is. Someone is named Judy in this movie, but I don't remember Teresa Saldana being in this was, movie. Was it uh, the person he was fooling around with in the opening scene when the dad walks out and goes to the office? Oh, it must have been then. But that was Teresa Saldana, who we had in Defiance and we'll have again in Raging Bull. And she got stabbed a bunch, <sighs> if you'll recall. Uh, but she was okay. She was okay for a while. She died very recently, like in the last year or a few years. Robert Mickles played andrew don't know who that was he was a clan member in porky's 2 who was the stripper in this movie i'm trying to remember a scene where someone strips does anyone strip in this movie uh the nurse is naked i don't think we call her a stripper though someone is credited as stripper in this movie but i don't remember anyone stripping but she also played a stripper in one of my favorite tales from the crypt episodes which is called the ventriloquist's dummy 
Have you seen that one? Uh, I may have. It's I, I've Bobcat Goldthwaite is like a ventriloquist, and he's learning from the master who is played by Don Rickles. <laughs> and it's directed by Richard Donner. It's a really amazing oh, episode. Wow. Yeah. Kind of love Tales from the Crypt. It's good. Bunny apparently played himself. Oh, what the hell that means. But yeah, that's it for this movie. It's dumb. It's bad. It's not a movie. It's not a movie, and I regret including it here. I don't know how it made $40,000, which is only 10% of its budget. Well, if everybody who's in the film class that made it made their families go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, are they counting the tuition in the box office? <laughs> but yeah, I regret watching it, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say down on this one. Don't waste your time with it. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Down. Down. It's really not a statement about the movie at all, or the people that made it, I guess. It's not a statement about them, but this is at the bottom of my letterbox. Oh, okay. I would rather watch Suzanne Summer's rebuild the glass ceiling than watch these bad dailies uh, like shots i can't even tell what's happening yeah it's just like shot so poorly and i can't follow the plot because the characters are all acting in completely different ways it's just bad just don't watch it i'm gonna put it ever so slightly higher it's gonna be third from the bottom because man gorp was an obnoxious movie i would rather watch gorp again than watch this. i don't ever want to hear those guys screaming another scene again all right um, this is also, uh, I guess this is going to become fourth from my bottom, just above Gorp. Wow, you well. guys loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, hated no. Gorp a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the movies that are below it are Gorp, Serial, and then and Caligula. Personal. Oh, really? Nothing personal is above this for uh, you? Yeah, I have okay. nothing personal. So do I. But... A little bit higher, but Serial was upsetting. But, uh, but Gorp was terrible. And yeah, this is, uh, it's down there. It's down there. So cereal is second from the bottom on yours? Yeah. Okay. I think that's about everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we will be discussing Humanoids of the Deep, which IMDb summarizes thusly. Scientific experiments backfire and produce horrific mutations, half man, half fish, which terrorize a small fishing village by killing the men and raping the women. Now you're talking. (laughs) We leave you now with the trailer for Humanoids of the Deep. Humanoids from the deep. A tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. It's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species. 
and woman the ultimate prize. Anywhere you run, any place you hide, any time you stop, they will find you. McClure and Terkel, Vic Morrow. Humanoids from the deep.